Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS has been providing quality Western wear and horse tack since 1989, and they are proud to be the number one Western store in the USA. From functional and fashionable Western wear and horse tack to essential livestock and horse supplies, NRS carries the products you need at prices you can afford. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. NRS also carries our new line of modern cowboy brand apparel, caps, t-shirts, and hoodies. And for our listeners, use your special discount code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. And remember, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to uh, uh, try to just clarify what this episode's about. (laughs) Nick and I did the episode, and he reached out to me, I don't know, a week later, whatever, said, hey, whatever happened to that crazy podcast episode we did uh he goes are you sure we want to put it out there because i think we just we kind of got off on a tangent to a little bit a, a little bit we just uh you know we're geeking out on talking about you know healthcare and and uh and uh you know aging and and all the things that, that we all have to deal with but anyway that being said uh, i want to just try to clarify what my message really is from it and that is you know not everybody's going to have to deal with a you know, horrendous illness or congenital condition or some sort of, you know, uh, catastrophic, you know, spinal cord injury or whatever, but, you know, some people do. And, you know, I've had myself, I've had to deal with the things that I have. I've talked about them on the podcast and, and just health in general. Um, but I think most importantly is that when you're uh, seeking healthcare, or you're trying to find answers to something that's going on with you, you may not understand it. Uh, you you have to be your own best patient advocate. You have to, I mean, just bird dog it out and don't take any crap from any doctor or anyone. You know, you find the person that you fit with and that's going to help you with your needs and that you can connect with. Because I can tell you right now, many times, I mean, you can go into a doctor's office and I know this from being in practice and, and, and all the doctors I've had to see. And the only thing that's on that guy's mind is whether or not he's going to be able to afford that lease payment on that Mercedes this month that he can't really afford and the mortgage on that house that he got that was too big. And plus he's probably got student loans on top of it. So anyway, um, that being said, I, I had Nick on because Nick, Nick's a nurse practitioner, but this guy's brilliant. Uh, he's helped me more than anyone in uh, the last eight, nine years that I've had dealing with my iron overload disorder. Uh, he reads the research and then he does empirical testing and, and he's just, he's open to so many things, but he's very smart and very cautious and, uh, and he listens, you know, and that's one of the most important things and he spends time. So um, that, that's my point was my point really about this episode. It's, I know it's going to be a different episode than, uh, we normally do, but, uh, I think it's important for the people that, um, you know, that may have something going on or may have something come up in the future. Uh, but just remember, be your own best patient advocate. Don't take no for an answer. Um, and, uh, you know, seek out the best healthcare provider for you. Um, anyway, 
I want to just kind of lay that out there at the beginning here. And then uh, we're going to play uh, some of Nick's music. Nick's also a musician. And uh, again, it's not country music, but it's music. And he thoroughly enjoys it and loves it. So we're going to play a little bit of his music. And you could uh, follow Nick Archer, um, Archer Music on Spotify. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. But anyway, hope you enjoy. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Get on an old train just to get away. But in the morning, I see the sunrise and it's all coming back again. You know, I've come a long way from the sunshine and the fake lights. I gotta leave it, keep it moving with this guitar on my back. Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have my guest on today for a couple reasons. Uh, one, this guy has literally saved my life and changed my life uh, in several different ways. Uh, a lot of you know from listening to the podcast, I've I, you know I've had some health challenges. I hate to even call them health challenges because it makes me sound weak uh, to myself. But I, I've had these genetic disorders, the hemochromatosis, iron overload. I had Graves' disease. Uh, all these things that have affected my health horrifically and being in healthcare myself all the years I was in and having the knowledge of it uh, helps to a certain degree and, and it helps you navigate the systems. But once you have something that's pretty devastating and results in things like strokes of the liver, uh, portal hypertension, I mean, where you can't even control your blood pressure, uh, you know, um, esophageal varices where you could bleed out in your and drown in your own blood, and then severe arthritis that I have in my hands and feet that's just debilitating. But I've always just pushed through it and I've always tried to work through ways to, to manage it best I could while staying as active and, and as fit as I can, and particularly at my young age. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I, I, I've got Nick Archer on the podcast today and I'm, I'll let you tell, I'll let him tell you all of his credentials, but he is a nurse practitioner. I learned about Nick through, through a medical doctor, uh, basically who referred me to Nick because Nick knew more about the subjects that, I was interested in, and I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to, with full disclosure here, I'm going to talk about my own health. I'm going to talk about uh, some of the things that I do and, and that Nick's helping with that I take. Uh, and, and by no means are we giving any type of medical advice to anyone. Uh, this is just for entertainment, but you can hear my story and you can hear what has worked for me in terms of navigating your way through health, healthcare providers and the healthcare system, because at some point in, in all of our lives, we're going to come up against something that's going to be a health challenge. 
and uh, nobody, it's, it's no fun for anyone. And uh, the, the better armed and the, the better arsenal you have in terms of being able to, to combat it and to get through things and to be as healthy as you can be, uh, I think this, the, the, hap <clears throat> the happier we can be and the better off we can be. So anyway, if that makes any sense, uh, I, Nick Archer, he's, he's a nurse practitioner. And I went to Nick because I had read a study about nandrolone now nandrolone is an androgenic basically a, a it's basically an anabolic steroid pretty much we'll, we'll let nick expound on it because he understands these these chemical concoctions much better than me but um you know and, and i want i want to say this real quick because there's a lot of talk out there about you know uh testosterone replacement therapy or guys taking steroids or people doing this and that and you always got these keyboard warriors that have their comments from their mom's basement, you know, with a private IG account, no followers, you know, and then, then they just rip on, oh, this dude's on steroids, this guy's taking this. And one of the points, in fact, was Tim Kennedy, who a lot of you know, uh, special forces guy. Um, I mean, this guy is is a patriot and a legend in a in a physical beast. But he posted a picture of uh, one of uh, his friends who is 70 years old, that's in amazing shape. And uh, it's a whole family, the Rocker family. Um, I don't know them personally, but I know of them. They're in the rodeo, cowboy world. They're in the uh, um, Rocker Steiner is a professional wakeboarder. Um, they're super athletic. But my point to that is, is that I saw all these comments about, oh, yeah, he's on the juice. He's on this and blah, blah, blah. And, and when, when, when you see that, it's, just, it's such ignorance because, one, they're, they're, a lot of times they're saying it out of jealousy or just out of stupidity or whatever it may be, but you're not looking at, they're not looking at or taking into consideration how these things can really help you and help your health, uh, you know, and, and this isn't like a picture of a guy that's, you know, on, you know, 10,000 milligrams of, you know, every, you know, equipoise and horse steroid there is. This guy's is just maybe taking, you know, a little testosterone replacement therapy, maybe some nandrolone, whatever it may be. But that being said, and I'm, 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 I'm putting all this out there because when I read this study about nandrolone and how it helps with joint pain, and I came to Nick about it, and Nick is, is, is an expert in this, uh, it, it was very refreshing because once I got started on the therapy, it's, it's just changed my life. So anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking right now, and we'll, we'll start talking to Nick, and, and we'll, we'll get into a lot of things. We don't even know exactly what we're going to get into, but... Uh, we're gonna we'll get into a lot of things about men's health, and I think that uh, you'll, that you'll learn you'll learn a lot. So anyway, without further ado, Nick, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Hey Dan, thanks for having me on here. Uh, pretty excited to talk to you and uh, talk to your audience a little bit and kind of see where this goes. Yeah, well, you know, the th how long ago did we meet anyway? When did when did uh, I first come? I was here? actually trying to think of that. Um, was it eighteen, maybe or nineteen? Not yeah, I had. I Maybe late 18, early 19, because I know it was before COVID. So that's kind of a it, good it reference. Was, it was before COVID. I think it was 19, though. Okay, yeah. Maybe early 19 or something like that. Yeah. And you, and you, were, actually, sure. you were actually with another uh, facility, and uh, a great facility. But in, in, uh, in what I like to just call modern cowboy fashion, the one day you just decided, man, you – you dragged up and uh, took your stuff to another camp and just went and opened your own place, which was, which was ballsy, but it was super cool <laughs> as well because, you know, you'd had a, a super, from what you told me, you had super big workload there and that, you know, they were, 
they were putting a lot of the work on you and it's just like, Hey man, you know, I, I can go do this on my own and, uh, you know, not have to carry as much of the weight. But a- anyway, I followed you over there because I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I don't want to lose this guy. Um, but, but you know, the, the one thing I want to say too, uh, really quick is, is, about Nick is in, in what's so important when finding a, a healthcare provider. Uh, and one of the things I used to do when I was in practice is I, I would always listen to my patients and that's something that Nick is super good at. Nick's super smart, super intelligent guy, but he listens to you, you know, and talks through the things. Uh, I've been through some challenges here with my neck and arm here in the past uh, couple months. I've been to a neurosurgeon. I've been to a neurologist. I was just an orthopedic surgeon yesterday. I've had an MRI of my cervical spine, MRI of my, uh, my shoulder. But what's interesting about those guys, and they're brilliant guys, they're brilliant doctors, but they're very uh, kind of laser focused in what they do. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I wouldn't say dogmatic, but, you know, to a carpenter, uh, you know, everything looks like a nail, man, they're going to hammer it. And, and, and so you don't always get the, the right guy in terms of trying to help you figure out what's going on, because I've got kind of a weird problem. But with, with Nick, when I went to him, man, that was a, the one of the things I really picked up on was just, you know, his ability to listen and to, uh, to just to try to deduce what's going on and, and then look at all the parameters, look at everything, and then test. Uh, so that, that, that's been huge for me. And, and, um, and the other thing too, is I had a real problem controlling my, my blood pressure due to my, uh, portal hypertension from the iron overload. Well, no one had ever told me about, uh, some of these other medications that are not, not only lower your blood pressure, but they're also, they can also help you with your physical performance in certain ways. And anyway, so Nick had got me on a, a new blood pressure medication and got that figured out, which I'd been to numerous cardiologists. I'd been to people uh, that, you know, they were just kind of at a loss and just throwing whatever, what the, whatever the latest, greatest, you know, thing was or whatever the, they were being marketed by the last drug rep. But um, anyway, I'm just, I'm singing his praises because he's helped me so much. And, and what he does is, uh, you know, matter of fact, Nick, tell us exactly what you do do. <clears throat> I just help people, I guess. Uh, it's hard to explain what I do. I, it's kind of one of my questions I'm not sure how to answer myself. Um, well, just to kind of give you a little background. So, um, you know, I went to the University of Miami. I uh, did the Master of Science in Nursing to become a family nurse practitioner. Uh, took the uh, license exam and passed that and got started out here. Um, uh, moving from Florida to Arizona was was a pretty big move, but... We're really happy with our decision to come out here. Uh, love the people in Arizona, love the mountains, and it's a lot of geographical variety out here. A lot of people don't really think about Arizona. Um, at least I never did. I spent a lot of time in, in Connecticut. Uh, so you always hear about Atlanta and Austin and Miami and these places, but nobody's ever talking about Phoenix. But when I came out here, my uh, my partner, Monica, uh, her family was moving out here. And, um, you know, they've traveled the world, very interesting people. and they can pretty much afford to live wherever they want. And when I heard they were coming out here, I don't know. I just thought we'd come out, interview. And uh, I was interested in men's health. Um, so we came out here. I interviewed uh, with the former practice uh, medical director. And we hit it off right away. And uh, just been out here since 2016. And uh, love working out here. And um, so as a family nurse practitioner, technically I'm trained in you know pregnant women, children, adults, um, aging adults, 
Um, but I focus on adults. Uh, it's it's uh, children's a whole other ball of wax. Uh, you know, I think you should probably really specialize in pediatrics. If you're going to do that, but you know, in a, in a pinch, I'm better than nobody, I guess. Um, uh, but my area of interest, um, I don't know, honestly, since I was probably about 16 years old, you know, I was always interested in uh, exercise, fitness, lift, lifting weights. You know, I never really thought about it as bodybuilding in any kind of professional way. I just knew I wanted to have nice arms. So the, the girls would look at my arms when I was in high school, you know, exactly. and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these guys, you'd go, how did they, you know, how did they get, get to be such, you know, these Greek statues? Right. Um, and so I started, people would say, oh, you know, they've just taken juice and their muscles are all just inflated balloons and it's not real. Um, but I remember when I was around 16, 17, um, just as a quick aside, I dropped out of high school, went to Job Corps, and I was in college uh, right before my 17th birthday at West Virginia State University, which was kind of a crazy uh, turn of events. I was kind of a, I wasn't a hard-headed kid. I was a hammerhead kid. I had, I was crazy. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, I uh, ended up, I remember in my college dorm reading about um, these sort of like underground steroid uh, lists that guys would write all these things. This is equipoise and it's known as boldenone and desilinate and it has this half-life. And I, I didn't understand any of it. And I thought it was interesting, but I was just scared to do anything with any of that stuff. I didn't want to get side effects and I was just a young kid. So, you know, I stuck to just uh, taking protein shakes and hitting the gym as best I could and just having fun with it naturally. And when you're young, you're basically on steroids naturally, right? You know, until most guys, you know, if they're somewhat healthy, and you eat good food, you're going to gain muscle in your teens and twenties and thirties, even, uh, without, without doing anything except just good nutrition and sleep. Um, but I remember reading that, those, those, that article with all these, you know, it was like some guy published it under an alias because he was afraid, you know, it's so, you know, so taboo to talk about any of this stuff. And I remember after I finished nursing school, um, 2012 working as an RN, um, I think I remembered that old article and I found it somewhere and I started reading it. And now I'm learning, I'm kind of like, oh, I can actually see how some of this pharmacology works and stuff like that. And kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, but, but I start seeing like, maybe some of this isn't correct. And a lot of the stuff you'd read on, I used to read the forums, the bodybuilding forums and stuff and try to see what people were doing and just kind of, kind of a geek, you know, just reading about all this stuff, not really being too scared to try any of it, but just reading about it. Right. And, um, and as you're, education evolves and you understand things at a higher level, I, I would go back again and I would go, wow, this is a lot of this is wrong. And, and a lot of this is, you know, kind of dangerous maybe. And, uh, and then, um, so I, I really wanted to understand, um, um, I really wanted to understand, uh, better endocrinology. And, uh, so my, my last, uh, semester at university of Miami, I was really, really lucky to, um, kind of weasel my way into, doing my last clinical orientation in my master's program with uh, Dr. Atil Kargi, who's the uh, director of the endocrine fellowship program at University of Miami School, uh, Miller School of Medicine. Uh, I was like, like, they're like, what are you doing here kind of thing? Because I'm like a nurse practitioner student with all these dudes who are already doctors and, and ladies that are already doctors who are you know, now sub-specializing in endocrinology. Um, but I just I really wanted the chance to observe like endocrino endocrinology medicine the way it's supposed to be practiced like yeah. by the book. And to understand, like, you know, um, and it's, it goes way beyond, obviously, you know, low testosterone, hypogonadism. They're treating, you know, parathyroid, thyroid, uh, acromegaly, growth hormone excess, and and just any kind of hormone issue. Uh, diabetes, a lot of it. Spent a lot of time with a nurse practitioner there who was very helpful in understanding how to treat diabetes. Very 
generous with their time. Um, and so, but, I, but what I found uh, kind of towards the end was uh, I felt like endocrinology and you know, the endocrinologist I've met even admit um, it's, it's sort of a uh, kind of watchful waiting, uh, right. I guess within, I didn't even know because I'm a nurse. Right. So, uh, within medicine, it's like a different political thing than nursing is its own political mess. Right. Uh, but each, each part of medicine has its own culture, right? So, um, emergency medicine or like neurosurgery, they'd be like, give me the drill, <laughs> like right in the skull, you know right. what I mean? Whereas endocrinology, a guy come in and he's like, you know, I'm not really, uh, interested in sex anymore. And my, my wife thinks I'm cheating on her, but I'm just not, I don't know what's wrong with me. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's been like a year since I've had a good erection and, you know, sometimes maybe the endocrinologist would be like, okay, well, your levels are kind of normal. And why don't we come back in six months? And I'm, I'm thinking like, this guy's going to be divorced in six months, you know? <laughs> right. So, right. so I'm like, you know, so endocrinology is a little, from what I've seen and, you know, and I'm sure there's others, uh, providers within endocrinology that do not operate like this, but it's, it's sort of, um, taking a step back and very, very cautious, I would say is a good way to put it. It's very conservative. Right. And then you have family who I feel like, um, from what I've seen in family practice, they really want to help people. They really want to like, you know, get some problems, solve, avoid future problems. Um, but they don't really, they're not really equipped to, uh, treat, you know, testosterone, uh, things like that. They're not really educated that thoroughly on it. And then the other, um, like the, ter the church, the other third branch, I guess would be urology who are surgeons, right? So they definitely right. understand the testes and probably the hypothalamic pituitary testes axis and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they're, they're making their money with the surgeries and, and things like that. And that's just, they kind of don't have time right. um, to manage it. So I, I saw there was like a void where there's a lot of people out there who, you know, are having sexual health problems and, and masculine health problems. And, and no one really has, is, is doing it in a way where it's sort of as beneficial for the patient as it could be. So I saw kind of a niche for that and I was interested in it, which also always helps, you know, you're always going to be, get better at stuff that if you have the patience to sit there for hundreds of hours reading boring articles about it, you're going to learn things, you know? So right. that's kind of how I got into it. And then, um, kind of, uh, 2019, um, you know, before COVID really hit the, hit the fan. Um, I saw, I'm, I'm, I'm like a serial, uh, student, I guess. Um, and so I, I'm always looking like, oh, maybe I could go to law school finally. Maybe I could do my PhD. And so, I don't know. I'm always looking. And so I found uh, Duke University through the School of Nursing was offering a postgraduate certificate in endocrinology. Um, so I had to apply for that and uh, kind of forced my partner, Monica, to do it with me. Uh, so, you know, she kind of against her will, but, you know, I kind of subsidized it for her a little bit. Um, and that was an awesome program. Uh, focused a lot on diabetes, um, but it was just great because it was all students who wanted to be there, right? There's nobody doing it because they need a job or doing it because they got to figure out what to do with it. You know, they're all seasoned nurse practitioners. Um, there's a couple of new NPs, but it was people who wanted to learn about hormones, probably worked in hormones for 10, 25 years, most of them. Right. And they had their own background and area of expertise. So that was really cool to collaborate with all of them and just learn from them. It was just like, kind of like you and 20 other nurse practitioner, almost professors, just like exchanging notes and studying. And it was, it was great. So that was a one-year program in endocrinology. So I'm not an endocrinologist, right? I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical doctor, but I just, I'm like a nurse practitioner with an extra layer of education after my master's. Um, and before that I have a degree in philosophy and information technology. Um, so I always kind of like puzzles and logic and, uh, diagnosis and figuring things out. Um, but just 
IT wasn't for me. I like I like working with human beings and living things better than computers. Computer doesn't work. You throw it in the garbage by anyone, but people right. are a little more unique. So yeah. that's kind of my, sorry about my lengthy explanation, but that's, no, no, that's, that's sort of my background. That's good. So the, the, the one thing I wanted to, to, to say too, because I'm not sure in other states, but in Arizona here as a nurse practitioner, I mean, you have your own practice. You see patients, right. um, you know, under your own supervision, uh, you prescribe medications, uh, treatment protocols, whatever. I mean, it's, it's just like you're a quote unquote doctor. The only thing you don't do here is you don't bill insurance, which in a lot of ways is good because, you know, I mean, I pay you cash. You're, you're what I would, I call sometimes like it's boutique service, but it's so specialized. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I yeah. just, I feel like you get better service th through yeah, this was, kind of thing. That wasn't, yeah, that wasn't really the, like the plan initially. Right. Um, I had this little clinic on the side and um, I kept it completely distinct from the other place where I, I was subcontracted for. And people would ask me, oh, I found you. Would you like me to come see you there? And I'm like, no, uh, you know, that's not fair. Uh, right. This guy's paying me good money. Uh, see me here. Um, but if things ever, you know, if I ever move, I can't stop you from following me. But I'm not, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even plan it. It was honestly a Saturday morning. Right. And uh, my daughter had just been born. My first daughter uh, had been born a month prior. And um, I don't know. I just, something kind of snapped in me. And I was just like, this is not how I want to spend my life. Um, I want to be my own, my own man and, yeah. and, and make the decisions for business decisions as well as, uh, you know, the medical decisions and, uh, you know, use my resources, um, and, and be able to act on that. Um, so when I initially kind of broke off from that, um, I, all I had was this, which was very small, uh, right. and people started kind of pouring in, uh, you know, one by one hey you know i found i came in and i tried it and you know i just really prefer to stick with you and they kind of followed me and i, I was so grateful for that I, yeah, I tell you when you got a mortgage due and you yeah. got <laughs> yeah a one month old daughter and you know you really realize like this isn't just like a job um right. you really people really value your 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 ability to guide them through the healthcare system and i think that's kind of what nurse practitioners are kind of like what we should be doing right um and, you know, I definitely immediately thought of taking insurance, but if we take insurance, um, then you have to give a portion of your billing to a billing company and insurance, you know, sometimes they'll pay you 200 bucks for a visit. Sometimes they'll pay you zero and it right. doesn't seem to be very much rhyme or reason. And I remember, uh, the administrative staff at the former place I worked would call and, and try to figure it out. And, you know, basically on the other end of the line, you get somebody who's making minimum wage. who doesn't really understand medicine and they don't really know why you didn't get paid either. And you're like, dude, I'm spending all this time trying to like appease the unknown entities that decide whether I'm doing a good job or not. And I'm not even getting paid and I'm just not cool with that. And then, so if you end up giving away portions to someone to do billing and then you end up spending more time um, trying to do some billing trickery to get reimbursed, and then right. you're going to need more people working underneath you. Uh, you're going to have to see more patients to do right. that. And so you end up seeing probably two or three times as many patients as you probably should be seeing. And at the end of the day, I think um, it was an experiment just to see like, hey, if it's just me and my my partner, who's also a nurse practitioner, who's a lot smarter than I am in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> she was valedictorian at UM and, and uh, you know, 4.0, University of Alabama. It's number six nursing school in the country. And she did the Duke program with me as well. And she, she's another interesting character. She's got her undergrad in um anthropology she was down in peru doing archaeological digs and stuff so she's Crazy. very pretty cool uh um so so um 
Yeah. So I, I decided, you know what, let me just see how it goes. You know, let's just try it. Just uh, credit card, HSA, um, right. you know, just no, no insurance. And, you know, I read a book by Dr. Dan Purser. Um, it's on Amazon. It's like 10 bucks. Um, there was one he wrote about uh, like how to be a good doctor or something. And it was a good read. And, you know, he said with insurance, with insurance, they pretend to pay you and you pretend to practice medicine. Right. And, and so I think at the end of the day, I'm no smarter or more intellectually gifted than hell. Most doctors are a lot smarter than I am. They took a lot of advanced physics and chemistry and things that I didn't take. Um, but if they spend eight minutes with you and I spend 80 minutes with you, I'm right. probably going to figure some things out that they didn't figure out. And I'm also probably going to give you some knowledge that they just didn't have time to give you. So that's sort of my secret at this point. It's just giving people more time. Um, I don't always have 80 minutes, but if I do have it and it needs to be given, that's what I have to do. And um, I think it's really helpful as an NP because you're trained in nursing and a little bit kind of in medicine, you're kind of like this in-between kind of right. place. So you kind of understand the system a little bit and can help people kind of negotiate through it. So I'm sort of like a liaison in that way. Um, and uh, it is a good healthcare system. It's It's kind of messed up and we have some problems with it, but you can come, you know, you can get a lot of really awful things that used to be fatal fixed nowadays. And, and uh, but it's just kind of knowing the right network of specialists. And, and you know, if, if you have a problem that is beyond what I can figure out, you better believe I'm going to refer you to somebody smarter than me that knows what they're doing in that field, you know. Right. So. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting just because, it, I mean, in just the last literally three weeks, uh, like you referred me to the cardiologist. Um uh, Monroe and I and I couldn't get into him right away uh, so I went to another cardiologist this guy out here and this guy was a uh, I mean I'm sure he's a great guy but he was a buffoon to me in terms of you know being treated by him and then I went to Monroe who's another young guy and and he was great you know and he he's just like went right to the you know source of what what he thought needed to be done you know, I had the echocardiogram. I'm actually having uh, ultrasounds on my carotids done here, um, the end of the month. But then, but then I went. I couldn't get into the neurosurgeon that you referred me to, and I tried to find a couple others. Well, I found a guy, and I went into him, and and he was a great guy. He really was. But in terms of like talking about spending eight minutes with you, in in you know, in, in determining what uh, you know what the insurance is going to pay, what they're going to be able to do, or whatever. This guy, he had a very narrow uh, scope of what he was looking at. I mean, he literally, I mean, I know how to do a complete orthopedic and neurological examination, every test, everything, you know, this guy, the only orthopedic test he did was a little, uh, was, was not even orthopedic, it was just muscle testing. Uh, didn't check a deep tendon reflex, anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and, and so, and he says, yeah, you know, what you've got going on is not related to a cervical disc. And I'm going, man, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if I believe that fully, but he goes, you, you need to go to a neurologist, you know, and which I'd already had, but I, and I was scheduled the next day for a, a nerve conduction. So I went to him, had the nerve conduction, but it's all, it's all like they, everybody kind of wants to pass the buck a little bit. Well, see what the neuro, the neurologist says, you get that, that nerve conduction study. Then I went to the orthopedic guy, super cool guy, another younger guy, man, he's fit, he's in shape. I really liked him. But again, he's, he, you know, he, and he did a whole full battery of, uh, orthopedic tests on me and everything. And, uh, and again, though, he just came back to, Hey, we got to Cause I was having my MRR that night. He took plain film x-rays, all the, all, all the joint space looks good. I didn't have any degenerative joint disease in any of my, uh, you know, shoulder joints, everything looked good. 
but again, it was just like he was perplexed as well. You know, it's just like, okay, we'll see what that next guy says, and we're going to have to work on it. And you had said something to me because I actually go to the chiropractor that you had referred me to, um, who, who's, who's a great guy, who I found out too, my hematologist goes to, who's another great doctor I got, uh, you know, and, and he sees him. But, but then my wife says to me, you know, well, what about, you know, going back to the chiropractor? Because yesterday when I left and got my, uh, after I saw the, the, um, the orthopedic surgeon, I was like, you know, man, I mean, my arm's atrophied and it's weak and it, and it was really bugging me. But then yesterday I just decided, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm going to just do whatever it takes, you know, and if I got some kind of deficit left there over time, whatever, it is what it is, but I'm not going to weaken. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going through it. But my whole point about all that is, is that like every time that I've seen you or done a telemed or whatever it may be, you know, you're continually, you know, shuffling the deck it's like you're almost playing chess and you're looking and you're looking and it moves down the road it's like okay <laughs> so we do you know and and the other thing too i mean wh one that no in eight years no cardiologist figured out for me was my blood pressure stuff and how to control it um then with the, the nandrolone when you know we started that very slow but that's been a, a life changer for me um uh then also just like recently um with with the pain med which we've been discussing you know and i've been you know obviously going to keep an eye on it but the uh i i never had that tramadol before and we've discussed all those properties as a matter of fact we did last night a little bit but, but those are all things that have you know improved my ability to function in my you know doing my normal daily activities of, uh, activities of daily living and people just many times don't get that when they go to try to get yeah. help you know and and yeah. it's 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 frustrating for people it's extremely frustrating um yeah that's why it's, i guess that's kind of why i do what i do i guess um i mean i had some health problems when i was younger in my 20s um you know pretty gross actually but basically uh i had progressive uh, increasing um rectal bleeding when i'd go to the bathroom and, right. and then it, and i had to go to the bathroom more and more over years and i I think I was about 200 pounds lifting weights, some six foot one. Right. And, uh, and, and then I had kind of withered away to like around 160 pounds and, uh, I just couldn't eat. And, um, and I went to see the, you know, my regular doctor, he referred me to see, uh, GI and I got a sigmoid scope in my early twenties and they were like, Oh, just here's a steroid suppository, stuff it up your ass. Um, Right. And I'm like, they're like, it's no big deal. I'm like, uh, seems like a big deal. I'm like in my <laughs> early twenties, I'm bleeding like 12 times a day, going yeah. to the bathroom, running the bathroom, can't eat yeah. anything, lost 40 pounds. But, and then I went to another one, got a colonoscopy and, um, had this for about, I don't know, three, three to five <laughs> years. Uh, and eventually, um, I remember I was working at a geek squad on my, my I had like three jobs. I was bartending two jobs. I'm working at geek squad with my two degrees it was 2008 so it was a pretty brutal time to be a college graduate right and uh i was eating my uh, uh it's like sakura japanese i don't know it was like a food court food at the, right. at the mall eating chicken and rice or whatever it was and i remember my grandma who's passed away i remember her voice yeah chew your food nikki and i used to always because i was always to wolf down my food and be like right. shut up grandma you old bag you know what do you know and i'd be like you know eat a steak in five minutes and uh right. i thought to myself like philosophically as like a logician, what does that mean to chew your food? Right. So I sat there, you know, thinking about it. I'm like, well, I guess if you chew the food until 
you continue to chew it and it no longer changes form in your mouth. So if you chew your food, you know, where you can't tell the chicken from the noodles anymore, and you can actually chew, if you, most people probably haven't done this, but you chew noodles or bread long enough, it gets extremely sweet in your mouth. And that's from, I think it's amylase proteins or whatever the enzymes in your mouth breaking down those complex carbohydrates into simple sugars. So I remember it tasted sweet and I was like, wow, that's weird. And I just kept chewing it and yep, there's some chicken in there still. I can. And so I ended up chewing the probably about a hundred times per bite and I ate the entire meal and I had no need to run to the bathroom or any of that kind of thing. And, um, and then, so I, the next, so I, the rest of the meals for the day, I chewed just like that. And for years I had, like, I'd have to stop my meal, mid meal, run to the bathroom. And it was just, it was a horror show. And, and that just immediately stopped. And then the next day I went to the same job. I went to the same place for lunch. I ordered the same thing and I did it the old way and I ate my food quickly and I couldn't even finish it. The same thing happened. And so after that, um, I obviously started chewing my food very carefully and, um, and I was able to go from about 165 pounds up to 235 pounds naturally. I mean, except for protein, whey protein shakes, right. um, over the course of several years and get my muscle strength back. And, and, and I had zero issues since. And, and it's like, I went to see like five specialists got multiple, you know, you know, <laughs> colonoscopies and stuff. And, and no right. one thought to talk to me about, Hey man, do you like wolf your food down? And, you know, it dawned on me. I remember in I think pathophysiology in grad school, like, exactly like what was going on. And if you think about the GI tract, you know, your mouth, your esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine, uh, you know, and then you're supposed to deposit a nice fluffy loaf in the toilet. You know what I mean? That's right, the goal right. of the GI tract. And uh, yeah, if, you know, if you're all stressed out drinking coffee and you got 10 minutes to eat lunch, uh, your, your sympathetic nervous system is totally activated. The parasympathetic's not awake at all. It doesn't know if right. dinner's coming. Uh, and so you're just like chomp, chomp, uh, swallow there's chunks of food in your stomach stomach has like not ready for this there's no really acid ready to go it does its best to try to get some nutrition out and you end up passing like uh chunks of it's supposed to be like a soupy broth in your stomach it's supposed right. to break it down until it's like a blender got it and then then in the small intestine that's where all the nutrition is absorbed and then the colon's job is just kind of like get the water out of it and, and pack it into nice packages um but if you end up getting um un unchewed it's a food in your large intestine, which is full of bacteria. The bacteria are like, yes, chicken. And then they go nuts and cause uh, the bacteria releases like exotoxic uh, poop. Basically, your bacteria right. eat and they dispose of stuff too. And that stuff right. causes colon spasms and probably inflammation in the colon. And that's what has been going on. So it's like, it's, uh, and I remember thinking like, going to the doctor and they'd spend five minutes here, you know, try the suppository and then they send you to a specialist and you get surgery or whatever. And they're like, just, you know, try this. And sometimes it happens and try to relax. They tell you stuff like that. And I remember, remember thinking like, I want like a PhD to like study me for like a year. Like I wish right. I had like a couple hundred grand and I could just like hire some guy just to study what the hell's going on and figure this out. Cause I know right. this can't be something that's insolvable, but it's just, it's, it's not. And I don't blame the physicians like, right they're just operating within a system that, and it works really good, really. The, right. the goal is to see as many people and to figure out the problem as fast as possible and kind of get to the next guy, you know, cause they want to help everybody. Right. Um, so, but, um, so I guess that part had a lot to do with it. And then, um, you know, my dad was an independent duty corpsman in the Navy. So he was the only doc on a submarine with like a couple hundred guys and Man. they would, they wouldn't, they wouldn't hear, see the light of day for three months. And so that was crazy seeing him go through all that. So I guess, you know, after my, bachelor's degree i was planning to go to law school 
And uh, I just didn't see myself being prepared for that. So I thought nursing would be a better route. And when I got into nursing school, I was like, oh, God, like this is probably harder than law school. <laughs> and uh, it was I did the bachelor's in a year. So it's the accelerated program. So you have one yeah. year to do a bachelor's. It's pretty intense. And then um, then I got a job at University of Miami for uh, worked there for four years as a telemetry nurse and uh, stroke overflow cardiac step down unit. And then, um, yeah, then I got into grad school through a miracle. And, uh, but once I had that opportunity, I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I haven't looked, haven't looked back since, uh, sorry, it's kind of a tangential answer, but no, uh, <laughs> no, not at all. So, so now it, your practice is, is, um, is it a hundred percent based on just men's health in terms of, uh, you know, testosterone replacement therapy or no, mandolin, not or, at all. Okay. No, no, not at all. Um, I, I basically, um, you know, I you know, I don't, I don't think any provider should base their whole practice on like one drug or something like right, that. You know, if right. you went to a cardiologist and he's like, I only give lisinopril, that'd be weird. You know, like, right. like so <clears throat> I just try to get to know my patients. Right. Um, I do a very thorough, uh, history. I want to know where yes. they're coming from. I want to know what's going on in their family. I want to know what their social history is. Like, where do you go to school? Uh, what do you study? What are you interested in? Uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, what's your relationship status? How many children do you have? Do you want more children? Do you want, you know, how, how healthy are your children? Um, do you use tobacco, alcohol, cannabis, uh, recreational drugs? Do you exercise? Do you play any musical instruments? Do you have any creative outlets? Um, what's your social support system? All these things I look at help me get a, like a picture, like a story in my head of who you are and, and what's likely to affect you. And I, I think, um, you know, medicine does this too. Um, but nursing really drills that into your head. And you right. know, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, this is BS, you know, they're just making us learn all this goofy stuff. But you do really realize, uh, as you start to practice and you see the results, you're like, this stuff's like probably the most important stuff there is. It's just, right. you know, and I think 90% of the diseases I see are self-inflicted. Uh, right, I right. mean, I mean, not, not some cases like, you know, like some people are born with hemochromatosis. It's not your fault. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. Um, and, um, but, um, but uh no so you know i'll see i kind of see whoever i think i can help uh or may be able to help and then if i can't i'll get you to the right people um and a lot of times i'll have people where you know see it sam seeing a gentleman for a few years and he starts feeling better and getting his diabetes under control and getting his blood pressure down and feeling happier and and uh you know enjoying life a little more and then his wife will kind of reach out hey uh what can you do to help me you know and so i'll try to help her you know so it's basically all referral uh, based. I don't even have a sign here in the window. I said one of the only sign I have is a, it's, a, it's like an arrow. It's like an A and an H that one of my patients actually made for me. So he works, for, he owns like a steel company. So I, I kind of, uh, yeah, um, I decided not to advertise and go crazy with that. Uh, just kind of word of mouth. I, I helped some friends open a restaurant. I used to bartend and uh, some of my friends back in Connecticut, uh, Ola restaurant in uh, Orange, Connecticut, we opened and we didn't advertise. I remember some days it was dead. And, and I remember going like, shouldn't we like put some signs in the window or pass out some flyers? And they were like, no Malacca. Uh, you know, you don't want to do that because um, then you're going to get a bunch of people in and we're not prepared and we're going to do a bad job. And then people are going to have a bad experience and the food's not going to be cooked right. So it's better. So I wanted to do like a, like a really soft opening and just like right. one at a time and really build those relationships. And, uh, and that so far it's been working, you know, uh, it's uh definitely been a little, little stressful going from a fixed, nice income to a lot less than that. 
Right. But um, I just keep putting out, I try to make sure that when people come and see me, you know, when they pay that bill at the end of the visit and it's not cheap, um, but they feel like they got more than I charged them for, you know, I'm a right. capitalist. Right. I, I want to come up with, even if, you know, we've got your, your original healthcare stuff uh, figured out, I'll be like, how, you know, you're saving money. Are you taking vacations? You know, cause financial health, uh, social health, these things are, are, are not uh, distinct from physical and mental health. They're all right. connected. You know, exactly. uh, if you're, if you owe a hundred thousand dollars in your credit card and Oh. You know, the, the bank's going to, you know, going to foreclose on your house. You're not going to be healthy, you know. No. Um, so, you know, I just try to make sure I provide value uh, in any way I can uh, and try to be a, a guide for yeah. people so they can kind of uh, kind of live a better life. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 interesting you say that, too. Uh, and just talking about when I asked you the question, you know, is, is your practice solely, uh, you know, based on men's health, whatever. And. And I know that's not true. I just kind of threw that question out there just to oh, get you, get your answer, because I mean, the, the times that uh, you know I've uh, you know reached out to you. I mean, even like when I had COVID, you know, um, and, and I'm glad you're okay, man. That yeah, was, that you, was a little stressful. Yeah, that was that was stressful as heck. But you know, the one thing too that was really good, and, and this is so important in healthcare too, um, because a lot of doctors don't do it. But even when I was in the hospital, because um, I think I talked to you when I was in there. Or maybe I don't know if I was in there. If I was out. Yeah, I, I did. Send me some texts and stuff. Yeah, but I was so. Um, I mean, I lost like 15 pounds, you know. And and I'm and I like to be. I like to have whatever muscle mass I can have. I like to oh, feel yeah. in shape, and uh, you know, you, you like your muscles to feel tight. And I I just felt as weak as kitten piss. But the one thing you said when <laughs> I said I said, man, I go, dude, I go, I'm I'm just shrunk, whatever. And 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 you just didn't miss a beat. Because I, I was I was feeling lower than whale shit, dude. I mean, I was, and and, and, you, and and you said, "Oh, don't worry, man. It'll come back quick. You know, it'll come back quick." And uh, it, it, but those kind of things, you know, are what makes a good doctor as well. Because the wrong thing said. I mean, I've ha I've had a cardiologist come into the into the treatment room and and say to me, "Man, your head's going to explode because they're." their staff took my blood pressure and it's like, that's the last thing you want to hear that's, when that when, doesn't make you feel better. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And, and no matter how hard you, you know, you, you know, it's not right. Just them putting that into your head, you know, you're there for help and, uh, in something you can't control. It's like, Oh, your head's going to explode. It's like, no, yours is going to explode. I'm going to freaking punch you. You know, it's just, it's yeah. very, well, sometimes, sometimes that kind of direct, uh, I think that's, uh, I remember, and I, I think sometimes that direct sort of uh, confrontational approach can be beneficial. But if someone has high blood pressure, maybe that's not the best time to use that approach, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, no, um, yeah, it'd be one thing if I was like, you know, addicted to drugs or something. And, and they come in and they go, hey, look, man, you're going to die if you keep doing this. But I, I've got like this Celtic <laughs> curse, this genetic disorder that, you know, I, I have no control over other than getting bled. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... In my oh my god my first uh, i was in nursing school so it was before i was you know anywhere near master's degree stuff just doing my clinicals in the university of miami hospital and i was in the icu and this i mean i was green as it gets like you know i was still trying to even figure out what a nurse did i, I don't right. even, i don't think i even really knew what a nurse did when i when i went to school i was like oh we do like like iv drugs and blood transfusions or stuff right. like that. i was like i had no idea i don't know what i don't know i just knew they like wore pajamas to work they work 312s and they have good 60 grand a year and benefits and like sign me up you know sounds right. better than uh <laughs> because i had friends who were in law who had finished law school and had a quarter million dollars in debt and they're making 40 grand a year as a public defender i'm like i don't think so like yeah yeah so 
<clears throat> but uh, I remember I was in the inter- intensive care unit and there was this one intensivist who was brilliant, but he was tough as nails. And I'm in this one room and this patient is got all kind of IV tubes and hooked up. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what any of that stuff was yet. I was just standing there trying not to knock anything over, trying not to make a problem. <laughs> and this doctor walks in um, and I'm not going to name him, but uh, anyway, he walks in and he's like, I see an intubation in this patient's future. And I'm like, huh? And then like the kid, the, the patient died like right in front of me. And I was just like, holy shit. Like his timing is, and he's like, start CPR now. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like doing chest compressions and doing, you know, the, the Ambo bag. And like, he just walked in the curtains and he's like, I see an intubation and he just died. And I was like doing, so I'm like sweating, doing chest <laughs> compressions and doing CPR. And and I'm like, holy shit, is this happening? You know, like, and and so the doctor gets this huge needle, like six inches long, sticks it in his, uh, I don't know, his, his jugular. I don't know what the hell it was, and and starts giving him like sending, uh, putting in a central line, and he's like, this guy's got thick skin. We're gonna call him Gator, and he's like sticking, and I'm like doing chest compressions while this is <laughs> happening, and 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 I'm just like, uh, and that's just a memory that's embedded in my my my, my brain. And I remember, you know, when it's finally over, I've been doing chest compressions for like 15 minutes or something. And the guy came back. It worked. I was it was amazing. Oh my god! And I look over, and like all the nursing professors are looking at me, and all the students, and all the like everyone was like 40 people. I had no idea. I was tunnel vision. You know, I was just doing this like CPR and trying to do it right and not break the guy's sternum and allowing for the, <laughs> you know, the, that's one of my pet peeves. Is every movie I see they do CPR on. I'm like, how hard is it to like just do it a little anyway? But um, yeah. So that was a that was a point uh, in my you know career where I learned that a little rudeness and a little uh, humor can really de-escalate right. the tension in a situation. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it was it was like that stupid thing he said. This guy's got thick skin. We're call him Gator. Like that. I was just like, man, this dude knows what he's doing. He's like cracking jokes while he's sticking a needle in the dude's neck. Like so. Um, I love medicine and. Uh, and uh, but yeah, sometimes and you know you got to think these doctors and and providers and nurses and uh, they've been through hell with COVID and, oh, yeah. and a lot yeah. of them yeah. they're burned out man and they're, they're they probably don't know what they're saying half the time right now so yeah. just bear yeah. with them you know what I mean um, I've been lucky in that I'm seeing you know private patients and I, I can pace myself but I've seen a lot of my patients are healthcare providers and let them talk to me and and right. uh, they're like oh I don't need to you know see you in person. We just, can we just do my refills? And I'm like, no, man, that's part of how you pay me is coming right. in here and talking to me. That's how I get paid. I get, I need, right. I need the social interaction. Um, and a lot of times they realize, you know what, like I did need to talk to somebody, you know right. what I mean? And, 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 um, and I get it. I've been in the hospitals and I've seen more people die than I can, than I'd like, you know, I didn't really, I think I had some really bad luck or something because they always say, hey, you're a float nurse. we got a nice end stage HIV for you at about back of the, you know, back of the floor. And, uh, so, you know, you do the best you can for people, but, uh, I get it, you know, it's tough out there. So I'm sorry that happened, you know, and, and, uh, that made you feel worse. That's definitely not what we're yeah, trying to do. No, no. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's just, that's just, you know, one, one incident where, you know, people are, I, I, because I know, I mean, I, I, I saw, yeah, you know. I saw thousands of patients. I walked in, I mean, many rooms and, uh, and like you, you, you said something earlier, uh, Many times the patient's problems, they create themselves and they don't, and many of them don't want to get better, but they want to try to have somebody. And, and this is another thing that can become frustrating for doctors as well. And, and that may, and that may be in part why I, you know, left healthcare early too, other than the fact that I have attention deficit disorder and I like to do a lot of different stuff, but 
you know, that, that's just a very, a very, tr- uh, you know, true fact that, you know, how, how many times can you tell a patient, Hey, look, you, you got to change your diet. You got to exercise. You got to drink more water, but they never do it. You know, you got to right. do your exercise. You got to do your stretches. You got to do this and they never do it. And they come back and they depend upon you to, to, you know, fix everything for them. The other thing too, that I used to do early on that can be troublesome is I, when I got out of school, I thought, man, I can help everybody. And then you realize, uh, no, you can't. And I, I took a lot of that on, particularly in the first three years. I, I would be exhausted at the end of the day. I'd see 35, 40 patients, 50 patients wow. in a day, you know, and, and be exhausted, you know? Um, yeah. but, uh, but it's, you know, I, I think that, the, the most important thing for people, you know, and, and again, you know, we're not talking to everybody right now, but we're talking to people that, that, uh, you know, have, you know, have a health problem or have a health concern or trying to figure something out. Uh, cause there's a lot of things that go into that, just like you were talking that, that, uh, everything from your financial health, your, you know, uh, your, your social, your family, uh, you know, and your, and it affects your mental health too, as well. You know, there's so many things, so many factors, but when you can have good people, uh, you know, on your team, like I've got with you, it's like, you, like, just like you said, you know, you some patients go, let's just do a telemed. And I know we've, we haven't had a, a, a in-person in a while just because my schedule yeah. is so crazy. I was in the hospital forever and I've got all these things going on, but we are this month, but it's important for us to have a third party somebody outside of it to look at us. Yeah. And, and as men, we always think we know everything and we can do it all. But just like our conversation we had yesterday about, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, um, tramadol, you know, I mean, cause I said, Oh, I right. talked to, talk to the neurologist. He says, you know, it's fine, whatever. And then, and you, you text me, you said, I don't care what anybody says, this is what I've seen. And this is what I know. And this is why you got to be careful. And, you know, and, and that's important. Yeah, that, was, that was the edited version. I'm sure it was. I'm sure I deleted was. some stuff off of that because I was just like, I don't give a shit what anybody said. Like, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, but then I'm like, all right, let me tone this thing down a little now, bit. You know, you never, uh, have, you never have to tone it down with me because I, I, I don't care, yeah. man. I'm, I'm not. What's the I'm, message that's important? So I'll say what I think is best to get the message across. If I have to use right. a little profanity in there, I will. But um, I got you. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's, it's easy for other people to be like, ah, that's like, you know, cause there's, you know, the, the, I think, and this is just, you know, I'm talking from my experience, right. I can't really know how other providers think. Right. Um, right. But, but, you know, you know, certain drugs are, are dictated by the drug enforcement agency to be category one, category right. two and three, four, five. And the higher it is, uh, the more prohibited it is, I guess, right. is what, you know, so I think tramadol used to not even be on the, the category list. No, and then it wasn't. they put it on schedule, I don't know, if it's four or five. It's not it's not very high. No. Um, so from a politically radioactive perspective, you know, a lot of providers are like, yeah, tramadol, you know, and to be honest, that's one of the reasons I pick it. Not only is it a useful and effective drug, but it doesn't I, I feel like it's less on the radar, I guess. And right. uh, you can only use so much because it can cause so I think seizures or something if you take too much of it. Um but uh, it works well. It, it seems to hit the serotonin uh, receptor system, so it seems to help with nerve stuff a little more than some of the other opiates, and can be a little less stupefying, from what I've heard and kind of seen and anecdotally. Um, so it can be the ticket for somebody who's got some pain and needs some help. And uh, but um, you know, but when so I think a lot of providers you go, hey, you know, Mister Doctor Neurosurgeon, what do you what do you think of this? And they're like, oh, it's like Schedule Four or whatever, no problem, you know. Uh, right. But 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 I'm seeing it like. 
I don't care what, you know, the, the political a- agency says its schedule is. I know how it works and I know that it, it's an opiate and it's, it's serotonin. So it's going to be, if you're used to taking stuff that messes with the serotonin system, all opiates mess with the dopamine system and, uh, and it's hitting the new opiate receptors. Uh, and then you take that away suddenly, you're going to have like three uh, different systems go, hey, uh, where's that extra serotonin? Where's that extra dopamine? Where's that extra uh, pain relief? Uh, so I think coming off a of tramadol actually can be pretty rough. Uh, right. It's kind of like coming off a, like a SSRI, like Prozac or Lexapro and an opiate, like a mild opiate at the same time. Um, right. So, but, but, but it's at the end of the day, you know, when I was trained, you know, pain was, the, was the, I don't remember, was the sixth vital sign, I think we called it or fifth vital sign. Um, you know, we really care about, we were trained to give a shit about people's pain. Um, right. And there's been a lot of political stuff where um, like, I think it was, was it 2016 Arizona passed a law where you can't prescribe this, this morphine milligram equivalents or higher um, um, to, to new patients, except under like circumstances like end stage cancer, or they just had like major surgery or something. And that's, you know, right. for only a couple of weeks or something. Um, and, and to be honest, I think um, a lot of providers, when they, when that happened, they got really spooked and, and started dramatically uh, decreasing uh, the amount of pain medicines they'd give out. And, um, and I, I did too. Um, but and, and I think an overall is a good thing because it made you think like, okay, like this is kind of like, you know, this much is like a red light. This is like a yellow light and this much is pretty safe, you know? So it kind of gives you like a safety barometer. Right. Um, but there are people out there. Like I remember, you know, I saw patients maybe for another provider, I would you know cover for him that day or whatever. And I'd be like, how much are you, you know, morphine or oxycodone are you on? Oh my God. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Like if you don't want to give it to me, I've had this for a decade, this, this, uh, pain and it's okay. Like I'll live in excruciating pain until I see my regular provider next month. And I'll be like, well, how did it, you know, how did this all happen? And like, well, I fell down an elevator shaft and I I fractured every bone in my spine and I have like 72 pins in my back. And I'm like, Oh, maybe this guy actually needs this much pain medicine. You know what I mean? So, um, there's a lot of that kind of political, you know, where they're like, oh, this guy's just drug seeking, whatever. But it's like, you don't know that until you talk to him and see what's right. going on. And um, so, um, but yeah, I just, my whole thing is, you know, I don't, I don't, I try to stay away from the political stuff. Like, you know, um, certain drugs are definitely more habit forming. I tell most of my patients, I don't re- recommend tobacco, alcohol, methamphetamine, crack cocaine or heroin to anybody right I like you can pretty much cross those off the list they're not really worth it for most people right now you know i know that you like wine and uh, I, do, I do too i don't like the headache it gives me so i don't really drink but um but you know in, in moderation a glass of wine with some dinner is probably a good thing um but i've just seen most people don't moderate it and ends up becoming problems for a lot of people um right. and it's just it's like the 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 juice ain't worth the squeeze i think might be the expression right. or something like that um but um these medicines exist for a reason. And I try to, I try, you know, I try to follow the algorithms and fit and do what, you know, the textbook says is the right way to go. And most of the time that works. Right. But I found that a lot of times we do, we do everything on that list and the patient is still suffering right. and you got to look bigger and wider and think, think like, well, what else can we try? You know, we're scientists, you know, right. let's, it's, let's not just give, well, sorry, the, the algorithm says we're at step five. So you're screwed. Right. You know, that doesn't seem right to me. And, um, I think, you know, science is exciting. You know, I look up to, you know, people like Elon Musk who are building, you know, spaceships and, yes. and, you know, getting us off dependency on, you know, Russia and these different countries that are, you know, I don't want Russia like launching us into the outer space. That sounds insane. You know, um, so I think we should be, you know, still pioneers and still, you know, 
mavericks to some extent and not be afraid to try things, but you have to have a little bit of research behind what you're doing. And you have to really spend a lot of time where you feel pretty comfortable that, okay, like let's try this. And, and a lot of the stuff is from philosophy. Uh, there's an argument, I'm probably doing this wrong, but it's like reductio ad absurdum. So it's like, I know that like in the craziest circumstance, you can use this much and the people usually are okay. So let's use like one tenth of that and see how that goes. And, and, and then, and, 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 you know, and then, and, and usually there's diminishing returns, like a, you know, a 400 horsepower car is not half as fast as an 800 horsepower car. Right. Uh, right. The harder you push, the harder physics pushes back. Um, right. So a lot of times there's a sweet spot and I just don't think, um, I think a lot of these medications get like bad wraps, um, particularly like the anabolic uh, steroids, androgens, um, the painkillers, benzodiazepines. Don't get me wrong. Like you can go nuts with these things and ruin Absolutely. your life. Absolutely. Uh, do not get me wrong. They are not. And like I said last night, you know, you just recognize a snake is a snake. You know right. what I mean? And I mean, snakes are bad, but they're snakes. So yeah. it's just as long as you recognize the possibility of the venom, uh, right. you know, if you have a guide who you trust, who right. is really monitoring you carefully you can use powerful medicines to uh improve your life um but you don't want to over rely on medicine either um no you know, no absolutely and, and, and you know i have guys who are like well you, you know we had really low testosterone um we got testosterone i'm on testosterone now and i'm not seeing anything i'm like well what are you eating and they're like well you know i don't know a hamburger and burger you king know, i skip lunch and i'm like well what, what do you what do you, what do you expect your you know you want to regain the muscle mass you lost but muscle is made out of amino acids and proteins and if you're not eating any proteins it's like expecting you know if we hold hands and we stare at the golden gate bridge is it going to like magically repair itself no you need iron steel beams right you know bolts you know cables you have to have the material so yeah. nutrition is really one of the you know cornerstones of, of like health you know yeah. and i realize too some days i'll get busy with patients and talking to you and you know having fun uh, in doing my job and I'll skip lunch and I'll start feeling depressed towards the end of the day. And I'll realize I'm, I'm feeling this. It took me a while to recognize it, but I'm feeling this because my, my body literally doesn't have the building blocks to make like serotonin to make me feel right. good. And, right. and so it's like, I could take like drugs to try to boost that up, or I could just eat some, you know, some sushi and, and have, right. have an orange and, and my body will magically make that for me. You know right. what I mean? So right. it's, it's just, uh, I feel like a lot of times we we miss the big picture uh, yeah. in medicine and like by dissecting things, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like, like I'd rather have you go see Dr. Monroe if you have an, you know, he's an electrophysiologist, right? Uh, right. He's undergrad in physics. So the guy is a genius. Uh, right. I definitely would want him to try to figure out your heart issue beyond me. But, um, you know, but what a lot of these guys don't get time to ask and they don't think about is like, well, is the guy eating food that's like good for his heart? And, you know, it is, right. is it, you know, is he getting sleep? You know, if your body, you're not, he, you're not sleeping at night, you have sleep apnea, you're not going to heal. You know what right. I mean? So it's exactly. just, it's, yeah, it's a lot, man. It's like, there's a, I think one of my favorite, like aspirational. So I, I have a Tesla. I love Teslas. Um, I, you know, I want all their products, can't afford them, but I am lucky to have one cool product from them. Um, but one thing beyond, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a kind of a motor guy uh, or at least speed guy. I like, you know, motorcycles, anything right. with engine wheels, um, singer Porsche, um, I think they're out of California. It was some guy who was like in a like kind of a like an eighties hair metal band, I think. And he takes these. I think it's from like nineteen. Don't no. Tell me, Mag, Magnus Walker. No, no. He's that's a guy. Is pretty sweet too. That guy is yeah. cool. Really yeah. cool. But because um, no, my, another... my my good Go friend, ahead. my good friend from college who lives in Scottsdale. I just mm-hmm. talked about this on the podcast yesterday with another guy. Oh, okay. Um, my good friend met him. 
because my because my my good buddy he's he's into the four gts uh which is oh, the, cool. that's good for you those are beautiful yeah 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 so yeah any but anyway but that's how i heard about magnus walker was through him and he's got this whole i mean his porsches are are crazy but um but he looks yeah. like he looks like he's from a metal band but he actually owned a uh he was a fashion designer from Britain yeah, fashion guy. And, and he designed yeah. this, he had this whole, this whole brand called Sirius. But anyway, that's interesting. You brought that up, but yeah. So singer Porsche is another kind of in that same, um, you know, I'm pretty sure well, people that are into Magnus, yeah. Magnus Walker kind of know this too, but from my recollection, it's been a couple of years since I read into them, but I think there's from 1969 or something up until mm -hmm. the mid nineties, all the Porsches, a lot of the parts were interchangeable and stuff, but basically they would, they take any of these year Porsches, and they just strip them down and they just rebuild them with top notch everything. And they sold, right. sell, some of them sell in the millions. I mean, they're, beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. But in, in their uh, building or shop or whatever, I just remember there's this like black spray painted thing on the wall. It says everything is important. And I was like, I'm stealing that. Yeah. You know? So when people come in and they're like, why are you asking me like how old my brother is and what, you know, I'm like, right. Cause everything is important. Maybe, yeah. you know, uh, might not always be, but um, and yeah, so that, and also, yeah, you have to kind of figure out what you're good at in life and, and kind of, you know, lean on that. And I just don't, you know, I can do that thing where I'm like, okay, uh, the Cineprol, how, how does it work? Uh, Nick, I, I don't have time to explain it, you know, see you next bye. And then right. you, what, here, Lipitor. Okay. What, what do you got? Uh, your testosterone. How does the testosterone work? How do I inject it? Ask the nurse. I don't know. And then <laughs> right. like, I can do that and it doesn't work. Like I've tried. Right. right. And, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I found that, um, kind of like seeing more people, I don't want to be Walmart. I want to be Rolex. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no offense to Walmart, you know, but, no. um, I don't want to compete on cost and I don't want to mass produce and, and make my quality, you know, as low as possible. I want to, I want to have, I'd rather like have like 200 people that I help dramatically than a right. thousand people that I just waste their time. Right. And th that's like a philosophical thing too. Like I think about, I have a buddy who does highway design and, um, we've probably had conversations over the years and like you ever just sit at a light and you're like sitting there and you're looking and there's like nobody coming and right. you're like, what the hell are we doing here? I've been here for five minutes and there's no, no pedestrians. Just, and so I'm like, that's stealing, you know, two minutes of my life. Right. And um, if you multiply that by the millions of people that live in a city and then you add those multiply those minutes times that time. And that's like a, like you basically just like killed somebody today. Like, right. so wasting people's time is, is like mini murder. Uh, so I try not to uh, have people come to me with a problem and have them leave scratching their head thinking, oh, that was a waste of my time. Like that's right. Yeah. I take uh, life, liberty, uh, property, pretty, pretty to heart, John yeah. Locke stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, well, speaking of that, I mean, we're getting we're getting close to the end of our time now. But, you know, talking about, you know, cars and speed and whatever the, and, and things things you like to do outside of it. Um, you you got a motorcycle, right? You still have your Ducati? Yeah, yeah. It's an 07 Ducati GT 1000. It's probably as close to a Porsche as I get most of the time. Um, <laughs> right, but, uh, right now, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I you know my it's funny. I was thinking about it listening to some of your podcasts earlier, but my, my grandpa was a farrier for a while, and then my oh, really? his oldest son, my uncle Tom, up in he lives in Parker, Colorado. Um, he had horses for years and German Shepherds, and then his. Uh, some of his daughters, uh, have, uh, yeah, they, they have like ranches up there. And my cousin, Mark, actually, I think he works with horses and farrier is a farrier. And, and, uh, yeah. So, um, um, yeah, it was like, 
what am I doing on the modern cowboy? But I think if you go back pretty much in anybody's family history, you're going to have, you know, people who were needing transportation and that was the way to get around. And, and, um, and the, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a beauty to it. And I think we weren't designed like physiologically to sit in these four by four no. boxes and, and breathe air conditioned air all day. And no. so I definitely find myself missing being out in the woods when I, when I was a kid and we build forts and, and, uh, you know, do bonfires and stuff and just kind of living out in nature a little more. So I, I definitely dig the need to have some, uh, natural things around us like animals and yeah. fresh well, air. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing, too, is, and I've talked about it on the podcast a lot. I mean, the modern cowboy is, it's a lot of things. It's not just a traditional cowboy because just looking at it, you know, and we've said this before, not everybody can grow up on a big, huge ranch. Okay. Not everybody can even live where they own horses, but people love the idea of the cowboy. I mean, you can look at, it's an iconic image throughout the world and it's it's Americana. Now, I don't know if you know that I had Elon Musk's brother, Kimball Musk, on the podcast before. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, so you want to listen to that episode because it's a really good one. And, and Kimball Musk wears a straw cowboy hat all the time. And they, those guys love America, and they love what this country's about. And being a cowboy, even even like the PBR, which is, uh, I mean, is growing huge now. It's owned by the same company that owns the UFC. They actually now have teams in the PBR that, where the, they're, they're, these teams are owned by owners. So there's these very wealthy people that buy these teams and the, and the bull riders are actually being paid salaries, just like someone in the NFL or the uh, right. you know, MLB. Like a professional but, athlete. Yeah. Because that's what they are. They're professional athletes. You oh, know? hell yeah, they are. And, <laughs> and, and um, so, so they've got that now, but, but what uh, the, our, our slogan or, you know, tagline for modern cowboy is it's for the cowboy and all of us. So that doesn't mean, you know, you have to saddle a horse, but you know, cowboys made up of a lot of things, made up of grit, determination, perseverance, love of country, you know, uh, doing the right thing, you know, those kind of things. That's a cowboy. And like in the PBR, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, the, and the PBR has a thing that says be cowboy. You know, you just be cowboy in the, the way you are cowboy. So uh, I, I said all that just to say that that's why you absolutely needed to be on here because you are. I mean, you're. You, you said the word maverick earlier, you know, and a maverick is an unbranded steer that's running around the wild. And, uh, you know, and that's that's what I think makes the world work better. You know what I mean? If, if everybody's just falling in line and doing what everybody's exactly supposed to do, uh, we don't learn and grow and move forward, you know. And, and uh, that's why, you know, when I met you, I was just, you know, I was just so elated, you know, because uh, one, you're a normal person, you know, and, I, and you, you can, you know, understand and talk and communicate where you know a lot of people depending on their personality type they just don't communicate with certain people very well and there's just people you know we may not get along with so yeah you know but uh yeah no i think it's a cool thing you're doing and uh yeah um i guess i'm really i'm, I'm kind of honored to be on here because i was listening to some of these people you had on I'm like wow like these people are you know kind of like a jet setter cowboy elite they're pretty cool people and just doing you know uh pretty amazing things you know what, whether it's you know vineyards or uh right. running for politics and stuff like that uh, uh yeah it's, it's a cool I, I dig the show i see why people listen to it yeah hey um, and then also um you also do music right yeah um yeah i yeah, that's kind of why I went to nursing school because I wanted to have enough money where I could support myself and then have enough time off to, <laughs> to write music. And uh, yeah, so me and one of my buddies from nursing school, Ian uh, Dempsey, uh, we've been working on some music and he's an amazing songwriter, vocalist and guitar. And I do the same. 
like writing vocal guitar and you know a lot of it went electronic but uh yeah I'm, i have one song released called past life uh, under um, archer is the artist name and uh, you can it's on spotify and you know, youtube and all that stuff and then um the one we released after that was ian dempsey i'm on it too it says archer and that one's santa anna and that's a pretty cool song he wrote um i kind of helped him uh edit the song uh, before publishing uh but uh yeah so we're and we're trying to get more into more uh i guess organic instruments and it's it's just electronic is 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 very fast and, right. and so you know and, and honestly I, I work a lot seeing patients and stuff so right i'm good at guitar but my guitar chops probably aren't as proficient as they should be um but um yeah, so we're, we're excited to work on that project, and we have a back catalog of probably 50 to 100 songs, and they're just kind of like, I feel like we have a land with gold on it that we haven't mined, and it's, it bothers us, you know? So we just want to get it out there. Um, um, just just to say, you know, when we're when we're old and we're you know, passed away, they're like, hey, what did Grandpa Archer do? Well, he wrote music and left something right. beyond. And my grandparents did that. They painted paintings and, and always had art shows at their house and stuff. So cool. I think it's it's cool to have. A, that's part of my like five healthy coping things is uh, having creative outlets. People really need, you know, when they're going through times of stress, they need something, you know, most people during their day to day, they're in this logical place trying to solve problems all day. Right. They go home. It's this emotional thing at home. And it's good to have, you know, a guitar or bonsai tree or, you know, right. gardening or something you can just kind of disappear into for a couple hours. It doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't cost you any money. And then you come out and you're like, oh, I just spent two hours playing guitar. I feel better, you know. Right. And I think, um, but yeah, you can look up Archer Music 84 um, is uh, my moniker on Twitter and uh, I think it's on Instagram, SoundCloud. I'm on Spotify, and uh, we have a couple more songs in the works. But writing songs and getting them to like modern standards is a lot of work. Uh, so yeah. uh, it's 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 a really eye opener, really. But really well, blessed to work with some awesome people. Well, well, if you if you've got a, uh, a MP3 you want to send over, we can we can run the intro music, run one of your songs and the intro music on your episode. Oh, cool! That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, one more thing before we quit, I gotta grab this real quick. We, we were talking about this about nutrition and stuff, and you, and you were talking about protein. And I think I told you, I mean, I have my own protein. Hey, I saw that. Yeah, on your... yeah. And so, and and I've been you know working harder at taking in more protein. You know, trying to take mm -hmm. you know one gram of protein per body weight is what I've been kind of trying per to pound hit. of body weight. Per, yeah, per pound of body weight. Yeah, what I've been trying to hit. But um, anyway, because uh, yeah, we talked, we, we talked. I think about for that. you, that's that's a good goal. Everybody has to, you know, if you have renal disease, talk to your nephrologist about it, but, right, um, right. but yeah, generally speaking, I mean, um, if you're not eating enough protein, you're going to be hungry for other things. You're eating Oreos and junk food and stuff. Right. So, you know, if you do that with a, I, I usually do like a scoop of protein with some shaved ice, a little water and some 0% Faye Greek yogurt. Yeah. That, that, that does your, is what, when you were picking out your protein, like what went into that? Did you, um, yeah, yeah. It's, of, it's, it's, it's a whey protein. Um, and it's 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 got 160 calories. There's 24 grams of protein in each one, and uh, it's made by a company that's been around for 60 years. I worked with them in a professional line, and they they make they make supplements for major retailers, and and then mm -hmm. they have their own they have their own line as well. And so I'd worked with them with the professional line when I was in practice, so I knew the owner and stuff. And it's still family, oh, it's still family owned. Um, it's one of the, I mean, it's, it's a, one of the best tasting proteins. It mixes really well. It's super great.
Every Friday afternoon, I hit you up the trailer. Saddle up old rock, and I sit down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends. Yeah, at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups, fancy rigs, twenty thousand dollar horses. Then there's my old stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. And also, it's a you know, it's a free country. It's capitalism. So if you don't like the person you're dealing with, find somebody else. You know, exactly. it's not going to hurt their feelings. You know, exactly. we, we, you got to find somebody you, you work well with. So yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Well, we better go, man. I know you're busy today, and I'm, I got stuff to do too. But it was great, great chatting with you. Great catching yeah, up with you. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and then um, I'll be seeing you here real soon. So right on. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right. 
Thanks a lot, Dan. You bet.